0: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: The Denver Broncos are 0-1, winless, heading into week two against the Chicago Bears. Because they got bullied, they got smacked in the mouth, they got clobbered against the Oakland Raiders on Monday Night Football. John Gruden and the embarrassment that we thought was the Oakland Raiders just completely outplayed the Broncos, they had the most energy on the field that night, and the whole thing was just an absolute embarrassment. What's going on Broncos country, this is Luke Patterson, host of Broncos on the Rocks, presented to you by Mile High Report. And as I look at this game from Oakland Raiders and trying to figure out how to get things fixed against the Chicago Bears, it really comes down to two things for me. And I guess it's a question, really. Is it a lack of talent or a lack of execution that seems to be hovering over the Denver Broncos and this this cloud of doubt? seems to be hovering over Broncos country, is it looks like we saw the exact same thing we've seen the last two years. And what I'm talking about is it seemed like there was a lack of emotion out there. Is the first big draw I get from the Denver Broncos. I did not see a lot of passion. I did not see a lot of intensity. And I didn't see a lot of leadership. So is it any wonder that Vic Fangio did not appoint team captains? Is there any wonder... Why there isn't a C on any one of the Broncos' chest right now, especially after that Raiders game. Leadership seems to be a major, major thing, lacking in that locker room for the Broncos right now, and it's a huge concern. But other than that, leadership, biggest thing we got to look out right now is the injuries the Broncos are facing. You look at right tackle Jawan James, who went down with that knee injury. And the Broncos came out yesterday, and it's being speculated somewhere between six and seven weeks he's going to be out. Ian Rappaport first broke the news yesterday afternoon, and that is a major loss for this very problematic offensive line. Now, Connor McGovern, he did okay at times. He didn't muff a snap. I was pretty happy about that. I was on record last week saying I I had major concerns about him muffing a, a shotgun snap to Joe Flacco. That didn't happen. Uh, you look at right guard Ronald Leary, who has just been a whole gigantic mess for me. For me, this, this man is always injured. He has never played a full 16-game season. He seems to never really be practicing. He missed most of training camp slash offensive installation for Rich Gangarello's new playbook. And it just seems to me for Ron Leary that the league seems to be passing him by. And the Broncos need to do that, too. Having Ron Leary out there is doing nothing for your offensive line right now. You move over, you look at that right tackle. Who comes in for Juwan James? Elijah Wilkinson. Now, the Broncos are very high on Elijah Wilkinson, specifically offensive coordinator Rich Gangarello, who gave him a lot of praise out there at training camp. When I was out there at training camp, I'm sitting there with the media, we're watching offensive line drills. What we can see of it, at least because they do most of these offensive line drills it's infuriating and it's maddening that Mike Munchak and Chris Cooper have their their guys off to the corner and we can't really see it but the one time or one one to two times we can get just a sneak peek of what we think the offensive line's doing Elijah Wilkinson seems to be that high spot and so he steps in at right tackle you expect okay cool Elijah Wilkinson finally has his chance and what does he do he lays an egg He absolutely lays an egg. He was completely unprepared to play right tackle. Why was that? He took the majority of training camp reps at right guard. For who? Ronald Leary. To expect Elijah Wilkinson, who's a natural tackle, to come in and play starting right tackle after playing a whole summer of offensive guard is a very unrealistic expectation of the Broncos. Now, let's move over to the left side. Dalton Reisner, I love it went back. I've watched the game twice now, charting some plays. I love the play of Dalton Reisner. Dalton Reisner has the ability from the left guard position to work his way to the second level, and he has a nastiness to him. He doesn't have a, he didn't have any penalties the other night. Um, he seems to be mentally checked into the game, and I really like what I'm seeing out of Reisner. His pass sets are even looking decent at times. There were times that I think his pad level could have gone down just a little bit lower, but some of those things are going to come as the young rookie progresses and learns the leverage game and the leverage aspect of the NFL. But I liked what I saw from Dalton Reisner. So then, of course, i got to kick over to the, the left tackle, right? Garrett Bowles. It seems like we're always talking about Garrett Bowles. And for me, I'm I'm hearing a lot of reactions in Broncos country. Garrett Bowles didn't have a bad game. Garrett Bowles played pretty well. It, you know, his when Garrett Bowles' his name isn't getting called – that tends to be a good thing. Hogwash. That's wrong. I'm here to tell you right now. Garrett Bowles, he played a bad game. He, he played a decent game. I'll take that back. I'll say a decent game. Why? Go back and look at the film. I, I encourage anybody to go get it. Look at the coach's film on Game Pass. DVR it. It, it. It's not rocket science. Go back and look. and You will see number 98 of the silver and black putting Garrett Bowles, your starting left tackle, on his back. Before getting the Joe Flacco sack. Have you mind. That was the same play. That Jawan James. Got hurt on. Your starting right tackle. So for me the offensive line is in shambles. With the exception. Of Dalton Reisner. So that right tackle injury for Juwan James, that does the offensive line absolutely no favors. We also learned yesterday that wide receiver Tim Patrick has been placed on injured reserve for that broken hand. In his stead, the Broncos picked up a familiar face in River Craycraft, who is expected to be playing wide receiver. I'll be curious to see if he ever gets some return... Abilities/slash privileges back. Uh, I know he was working really hard in the preseason and the offseason, and it seems like the Broncos are still trying to figure things out, at least on special teams. So look to River Craycraft as a possible player to maybe um, have an opportunity to get some increased reps as this game goes forward. You look at cornerback Bryce Callahan, he's still battling this foot injury. Seems to be really frustrating with him. At least I'm very frustrated with him. He was a huge signing. Free agent signing that, of course, Vic Fangio and Ed Donatel are bringing over from the Chicago Bears. The problem with Bryce Callahan is he's never played a full 16-game NFL season. The guy always ends up hurt. Now, he did have surgery in December, but that foot injury, it's still bothering him here in September? I'm a little confused. Didn't Emmanuel Sanders have Achilles surgery and ankle surgery? And I'm pretty sure I saw Emmanuel Sanders out there killing it. So... I'm not quite sure why Bryce Callahan can't seem to get in this game. You look at linebacker Todd Davis, that lower leg injury still seems to be plaguing him. I know that he did talk to the media a little bit today, and um, you really feel for a guy like Todd Davis who can't seem to really get past training camp. Uh, You know, he said today that it's been a grind and he's been working, trying to get back to the team and trying to feel good. But he's had some issues with his recovery and now he's finally coming back to a point where he's feeling confident. Uh, His goal is to play on Sunday, but ultimately he's doubtful and I'm not expecting Todd Davis to play until I see him out there. um, We're just going to have to wait and see with him. So those are what we're looking at injury-wise, especially for yesterday's news. Um, some, some huge news, of course, with River Craycraft coming onto the team. Again, Tim Patrick, wide receiver, has been placed on IR. Jawan James starting right tackle, out, speculated six to seven weeks. And Todd Davis and Bryce Callahan, we're waiting to see. Hard to say. So let's look at this Broncos offense a little bit because I don't know about you, but it felt like the exact same offense slash product we've seen the past three years just a little sillier. And what do I mean by that? Rich Gangarillo. You gotta stop getting cute. I thought Rich Gangarillo was brought here to implement a Mike Shanahan slash Bill Walsh offense. And I hardly saw that on Monday night. Uh it seems like Vic Fangio really needs to keep this offensive coordinator on a short leash. What do I mean by silly? His play calling is silly. Well when your very first play of the game is a tight end sweep to your first round draft pick, tight end Noah Fant, and he gets pummeled for a loss, I'm scratching my head. Why is that even on the the scripted playbook? Why is that even on the first 15 of plays, let alone the number one play against this your starting opponent the 2019 season, the Oakland Raiders? I, I don't understand it. And then I've I've got tons of issues with this play calling. But somebody tell me what that whole swinging gate play was. You know, the formation where almost all the offensive linemen, with the exception of two or three, move over to the left, pretend to be wide receivers. And, well, the play doesn't do anything at all. That was silly. It was embarrassing. And it did not look like NFL football. I was extremely disappointed to see that from the young offensive coordinator in Rich Gangarello. And now Vic fangio was asked today, you know, about that play calling. He was asked about the offensive play calling. He was asked about Rich Gangarello's um responsibilities and his freedoms and he said, quote, he's got the wherewithal to call plays. Well, I'm not seeing the wherewithal because what has he done in the league? He has not offensively called plays in this league. And the first play that he's going to call is a tight end sweep from his first round draft pick. It felt too cute. It felt too silly. And I did not like it one bit. I don't know if it's this new way of offensive thinking where you're trying to go a little too much Sean McVay and you're trying to get a little too complex and try to keep everything so wild that nobody's guessing or what. But, you know, I also like to point out that Sean McVay lost and was outcoached in the Super Bowl by a very old school defensive scheme Vic Fangio scheme implemented by Bill Belichick so I've got major problems with that offense when we start looking at that play calling Um, was really disappointed to see that Emmanuel Sanders was not utilized really up until that two-minute warning in the first half now Emmanuel did finish out the game with five receptions for 86 yards and a touchdown but um, to me Emmanuel needs to be in your game plan he needs to be your guy. He is your number two receiver right now. Why is he your number two receiver? Because Cortland Sutton certainly emerged. He may have had a, a tough training camp. He may have been criticized for um, you know, maybe not working as hard as he can when he's talking the talk. Can he walk the walk? Well, Cortland Sutton went out there on Monday night, and you could tell that that guy, he gave a damn. And he was trying his, his, his damnedest to win that football game. Now, Cortland Sutton, this was his first 100-yard game in the NFL. He racked down seven receptions for 120 yards, and Vic Fangio, when asked about him today, or yesterday, excuse me, was quoted as saying, he's an ascending NFL player. And that's a huge compliment coming from Vic Fangio, who's seen a lot of wide receivers and has the game plan for a lot of wide receivers. I felt like Cortland Sutton, once he demanded the attention of the Raiders, that would have been a perfect opportunity to start working in Emmanuel Sanders. Start working in Noah Fant a little bit more. But the running game? What running game? The running game was abysmal. It seemed to me like they have Philip Lindsay doing everything I didn't want him to do running between the tackles i mean philip lindsey broke his wrist last year in oakland in the middle of a skirmish so what do what do the broncos do they throw in between the tackles as a rusher i don't get it when it's third and two you have those short yardage situations why are you not going towards your banger in royce freeman royce freeman is ready to go royce freeman looked impressive on his 10 carries for 56 yards, and Philip Lindsay was right there with him with 11 carries for 43 yards. But Freeman was able to yank out that 26-yard run, averaging out 5.6 yards in this game. I'd like to see Royce Freeman utilized in the rushing attack more. Because bottom line, Royce Freeman should have more rushes than Philip Lindsey. Now, be careful when you listen to that line. Because I said he should have more rushes than Philip Lindsay. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Because Philip Lindsay, just like I said last week, should be implemented in your passing game much more. He is a dynamic playmaker. He's able to make people miss in open field. He's able to beat people off of the ball. And he's a potential mismatch nightmare for any defender that's going one-on-one with him. Especially in the middle of the open field. So I'd like to see those, those backs used different. I think Royce Freeman's your banger. He should be your feature running back. And I would like to see Philip Lindsay used almost more like Tyreek Hill. If I'm going to be honest, similar body type, uh, similar playmaking ability. Uh, I would love to see him take that position in a Rich Gangarello offense, but Rich Gangarello's got to implement it. That's the first thing. We start talking about offense. Deshaun Hamilton, where, where have you been? Is Deshaun Hamilton on a milk carton? The guy is missing in action. Dropped a touchdown pass in the middle of the end zone. Completely unacceptable. Those are gimmies that you can't have back. And I like Deshaun Hamilton. I was pumped when they drafted him. I think he's got a good head on his shoulders. But the guy's been missing in action in training camp. He's had one of the most disappointing training camps of all the Denver Broncos. You know, because of his lack of performance, you saw other players emerge. Like a Jawan Winfrey or a Tim Patrick. And, you know, even Cortland Sutton, no fan, They're outshining Deshaun Hamilton. And it's like, I thought he was right there in the running. But for whatever reason, I don't know if he was overthinking the game. He seemed to take a little bit of a step back. Now, I think Deshaun Hamilton has the mental toughness to put this game behind him, hopefully. And try to get through it. I think he has the potential to be a better player than what we saw against the Oakland Raiders. But if you're dropping any more touchdown passes or dropping passes period, you can be sure that Joe Flacco and this offensive coordinating passing system of Rich Gangarello, whatever you want to call it, it's not going to it's it's not going to bode well for him. Okay? Let's just put it that way. So the Broncos need to they need to change things up. What does that mean? Well, you're looking at the Chicago Bears right now. And against the Bears, it's real quick. Joe Flacco has to get rid of the ball as soon as possible. It's a quick, easy um, aspect of a game plan that can fully be implemented because he's not going to be able to sit back there and hold on to the ball with Khalil Mack coming off of the right side or the left side. Good luck, Garrett Bulls. You're about to be posterized by Khalil Mack. I hope it doesn't happen, but pretty sure it's going to happen. Uh, you know, You just cannot pick – on the inside linebackers of the Chicago Bears. Joe Flacco has to use the passing game, of course, complemented with the running game, and they have to have a healthy mixture of both. I'm still a fan of running the ball more than passing it, especially when you have this group. There is no better way to make your offensive line feel better when they are in a rut than to run the ball we talked last week about how it camouflages some of those pass blocking weaknesses the zone running scheme i've always been a fan of the the cutback especially cutback reads that philip Lindsay has the ability to do that even royce freeman has the ability to do so if you're joe flacco you get rid of the ball short passes stay away from that middle of the field um and run the ball keep it simple rich gangarello keep it simple I don't need you trying to be Sean McVay. I need you to be Rich Gangarello. I need you to use those Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan, Gary Kubiak-style offenses that Broncos country is so hungry to see again. We need that. And that's what I'm looking at for the Chicago Bears, at least in terms of offense. Look to Joe Flacco. He needs to have an efficient game. He seemed to play well against the Raiders. Um a boring performance, if I'm going to be honest, from Joe Flacco. You know, he was 21 for, there were 21 attempts, or excuse me, 31 attempts, 21 completions. He threw for 268 yards and a touchdown. Uh, the guy was sacked three times. That's unacceptable. We can't have that. Uh, I know he's known as Cool Joe, and he's not the rah-rah guy, but it would have been nice to see a little bit of passion out of him. It would have been nice to see a little bit of leadership out of him, your quarterback. You know, your Super Bowl MVP? One would think that he would have a voice, let alone a displeasure, after the embarrassment that the Broncos put on on Monday night against the Raiders. So I'd look for Joe Flacco to be a little bit more of a leader. Those quick releases, get the run game going. If you're the defense, what happened? What happened against Oakland? I just don't get it. Oakland absolutely dominated what we thought would be a defensive uh slaughter is that is that too strong of a word i mean antonio brown's not playing so the raiders aren't going to be able to do anything right Derek carr's overrated right uh richie richie incognito and gabe jackson two starters on the offensive line they're not playing we should dominate the offensive line right wrong there were no quarterback hits in this game Vaughn miller and bradley chubb again they're on the milk carton where you at are you guys going to talk about it or are you going to be about it because no quarterback hits from those two, that's unacceptable to me. Covering tight ends in the flat, I don't need both you guys doing it. Maybe one of you guys doing it. Go watch some film. I saw Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb in coverage way too much. Now, I do understand that covering the tight ends is a continuing issue, and we did see that in the Oakland game, but... <sighs> The biggest thing for for the, the Broncos defense, and I felt just a little bad for the guy, was Isaac Yadim, our young cornerback, our sophomore cornerback. He was continually picked on against the Raiders. Now, go back and watch the film. And you can watch some film last year of Yadim. One thing, and it's out there, and teams know it, Yadam loves to bite on the play actions. He gets caught trying to make plays, and then he gets burned. And... I think he is an intelligent player. I think he's an athletic player. And I think he has a lot of potential. But he has a lot to learn. He needs to settle down. He needs to settle down into this system. He needs to expect for teams to start coming after him. Now, Mitchell Trubisky, I'm not going to say is the greatest quarterback in the world. Because, well, he's not. (laughs) Go watch the Green Bay game. Okay? That was one of the worst. Green Bay versus Chicago was one of the worst opening games in recent memory it was absolutely terrible uh trubisky he's not getting a lot of faith right now amongst the nfl community nfl fans and even his own team um they i know it's early but you know that nagy and the chicago bears are a little bit nervous about mitch trubisky but if you're Isaac Adam, know that he's going to be coming after you anthony miller he's going to be coming after you tariq cohen He's going to be coming after you. Chicago has some weapons, folks, and they're they're nothing to sleep on because, well, the Broncos slept on the Raiders, and it was hard for Broncos country to name more than one receiver not named Antonio Brown. So one of the big points I'm just trying to make is – Yadam, he has a chance to bounce back. I'm not going to go ahead and call him a bust. I'm not going to say that he needs to be benched. I'm going to say that you need to give him time, and he needs to trust the system that Fangio is trying to implement. Ed Donatel is trying to get him there. Now, It was blatantly obvious when you looked at the Broncos secondary that they were confused. You saw Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons with their hands up, scratching their head, wondering what's going on. It seems like there were blown assignments. It seemed like there was a lot of confusion, and they need to tighten that up really quick. Now, I know that that stuff kind of has to develop throughout time and throughout the season, but you don't have time. You're 0-1, and you are playing at home. You're going to have a... Fired-up Broncos country. You're going to have a fired-up stadium. Your owner, your late owner, Mr. B, rest rest in peace. He's going to be watching from above. Your Hall of Fame owner, Champ Bailey, Hall of Fame year. He's in. You've got something to prove if you're the Denver Broncos. You cannot afford to lose this game. So it's time to step it up if you're this secondary. The no-fly zone, that's done. Chris Harris Jr., you hardly ever heard his name called against the Raiders because the Raiders really didn't. Throw at him. Very smart play calling. Very smart game plan from Oakland. So, how does that translate into Chicago? Well, basically, uh, the Denver Broncos have to score points. (laughs) They're going to have to score points. And they're going to have to score more than 16 points. Because last year, Oakland was the worst scoring defense in all of the 2018 season. The defense they're, uh, they're facing on Sunday in the Chicago Bears, well... They were the best scoring defense in all of 2018. And, I mean, when you have 27 interceptions and 9 forced fumbles in 2018, that's something to respect with that Chicago Bears defense. We talked about it a little bit. Stay away from those inside linebackers, right? With Roquan Roquan Smith and, and Khalil Mack and Danny Trevathan, I mean, they're a nasty linebacking core, but if you're on the defense, your linebacking core needs to step up. I need somebody other than Josie Jewell to be out there. Josie Jewell threw down 14 tackles in the Oakland Raider game. He's flying all over the field. He's given an effort, but he is what he is. He's not the fastest linebacker. He never will be. But Corey Nelson, I know you just got here to Denver. I Welcome back, bro. I need you to get in the game. I need that one tackle to increase mm, to about six or seven. I need this inside linebacking crew to get there. Uh, you know, I need to see something. I need to see this whole defense. I need the defensive line to get up. Derek Wolf, I love the guy. Absolutely love Derek Wolf. I've had a chance to interview him. I've had a chance to chat with him. He's one of the hardest workers I've ever seen. One of the most humbled individuals I've ever seen. And the guy's a savage. But you know what? He was not a savage on Monday night. I need to see that. I need to see Adam Gotsis. I need to see Shelby Harris. I need to see this defensive line come with a little more fight because I guarantee you that performance was not up to their defensive line coach, Bill Kolar, his standards. And you could be certain that Bill Kolar was screaming and hollering all week, this week, as they prepare to take on the Chicago Bears. So the linebacking liability for the Broncos, you have to try to limit it. You have to try to limit it. You need to play smart. You need to play fundamental football. Vic Fangio and Ed, Tom- Ed Donatel need to put these linebackers and defensive backs in positions that they can have success. They need to calm down and trust the system. Play with enthusiasm. That is the biggest thing. I started the show by opening this. There, the, is this a lack of talent or a lack of execution? I think it's more of a lack of enthusiasm. It's. It's. I didn't see any passion. And I know it's hard to get fired up in the black hole. But, I mean, my Lord, this was the last time the Broncos were ever going to play in Oakland on that terrible baseball diamond. And they lost. They have not won there. And they will never win there again. The last time they won there was 2015 with Peyton Manning. And the next time they're on the road, they'll be playing in Las Vegas. So, I'm a little disappointed that the, the Broncos couldn't shut down the Raiders. Now, the sky's not falling. I think there is plenty of reason to be optimistic for the Denver Broncos as it relates to the 2019 season, but there are a lot of concerns for this team. They've got the injury bug right now. Uh, They seem seem to be licking their wounds this week on what is a short week. The Denver Broncos have six days to prep for the Bears, and Chicago's been sitting back with 10-day prep. Is that going to affect the game? You know, the Broncos are still beaten down and a little bit sore from that bullying that they took against the Oakland Raiders. How will that affect the game? As Gary Kubiak once said, we are fixing to find out. So, I guess one of the biggest things I wanted to end the show with is we start to look at some Denver Broncos history. And I think with history, the old saying, history tends to repeat itself. Well, that is the case. And I hope that this piece of history does not come back at least for the Broncos sake. So we know that historically speaking, the Denver Broncos are usually a fast starting football team, right? They like to win that. We expected them to at least go one and zero on, on the game opener and they've won so many opening nights. And um, I think they held a record up until Monday night for um, most wins in the opening night game. But in the last 50 years, the Broncos have only started Owen two, two times. 1994 they eventually went 0 and four on that stretch but wade phillips was the head coach and he was fired and then in 1999 now they eventually went 0 and four also but keep in mind that's post john elway era post super bowl era it's right you know before terrell davis starts to get hurt and the broncos are on a whole new uh team and a whole new level after that championship team so I guess the biggest thing that I want to stress is this is a must-win game for the Denver Broncos. You're playing a very difficult team at home. Now, I know Vic Fangio has the Chicago Bear uh, correlation, and when he was asked, you know, do you think that it's an advantage that, you know... um, coach nagy's scheme a little bit more working with him and he had said something to the effects of you know not really they had only been together for a season and i don't think that for vic this chicago bears thing's a revenge thing or anything like that he left them um but you gotta know that vic fangio's looking for a win he's a rookie head coach that has gone 0 and one and if he goes 0 and two especially losing to his former team at home in the barn at the new uh, it was Empower Field at Mile High, that's going to be bad. And the Broncos cannot afford it. Thank you guys so much for joining me here on Broncos on the Rocks, presented to you by Mile High Report. I am your host, Luke Patterson, saying always believe in Mile High Magic.